As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, and welcome to this audio version of the Next Generation 911 Future Makers podcast. For a full video version, go to www.ng911futuremakers.com. This is Fletch. Thanks so much for listening. Remember to subscribe and enjoy the episode. Hey, it's Fletch. I'm Vice President of Public Safety Solutions at 911 Inform. This is the next episode in our new series, Next Generation 911 Future Makers, Building the Leaders of Tomorrow. One of the best parts about my job that I really enjoy is that I get to meet and talk to some of the best people within the public safety industry. And a long friend of mine has been uh, an individual who started out as a telecommunicator, worked his way up through uh, a supervisor and a trainer, and ultimately was the state coordinator for training in the great state of Tennessee. And I have to say great state, because my daughter's down there now, which actually makes it even greater. Greater. He's a past president of the Nina Institute Board, a past president of Nina, and he is now the success customer success director of Rapid SOS. None other than Jamison PV House ENP, someone who I consider a good friend and a next gen 911 future maker. My friend, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. Absolutely, Mark. I, you know, I never miss an opportunity to sit down and chat with you for a little while and uh, go back and forth quite a bit. So I've, I've really enjoyed it. And thank you for the kind introduction because that's seems like I've done a lot, but uh, really I've just had some great people around me throughout my entire career. Well, you know what? That's the thing, right? It, it takes it takes a village uh, to run something, and right. uh, you know, it. We certainly have a very interesting village within the public safety <laughs> industry. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Am I, am I still the village idiot? I, I have to make sure because I have to. I think we trade roles sometimes. <laughs> That's my job. I like being the village idiot. Oh, I'm the with a podcast, which makes me dangerous. <laughs> You you've been in you've been in public safety for a couple of decades, probably nearly three decades now. Yeah, um, and you there. came from the ground up, which I think is really really important. Who helped you along your way? Oh man, um, well I've, I've always had the great honor to have great bosses, uh, people who were you know in charge of me or over me that uh, allowed me to run a little bit uh, and to explore new some new frontiers but also were uh, uh, patient uh, and forgiving when those new frontiers didn't work out or we did something that wasn't correct to come back and correct that. So I, I would say probably first and foremost, the very first 911 board person I ever knew uh, was my dad. 
<laughs> he was chairman of the first nine board uh, when the very first year in Tennessee. And uh, I think that's where my love started when I was just really like 11 years old um, and watching him address. And, uh, and then he went on to do other things. He, he was a pastor full time, a long time, and he still serves as a full time paramedic. And in this era of COVID, uh, he's working, you know, 70, 80 hours every single week on the truck. Um, and so I've always said my, my feet are a little bit bigger than my dad's, but I still can't fill his shoes. And I'm not sure how that <laughs> paradox happens, but, um, but throughout it all, uh, he really has been there to, to help guide me and, and keep me, uh, if I'm not on the right path, gently lead me back to the right path. And uh, I would say that's probably been the most influential piece. So you've been an inspiration, I think, to a lot of people in the industry with uh, whether you're out driving around in your Jeep doing weather and road reports or you're, you're hiking through the, Crazy. Through, the, through the Great Mountains and, uh, you know, showing people how it's worthwhile getting somewhere, no matter how long and hard that journey is. And there's, there's always a deep, deeper message in anything and everything that you do. Um, that's what I find the most fascinating about you is that deep message. Where do you draw that inspiration from? Well, Fletch, I'll just be honest with you. Um, growing up, growing up in, in, the, in a Southern, you know, Christian home, we spent a lot of time talking about deeper understanding of, of humanity. And, um, and it wasn't about the, re, the religion piece. And I think most people misconstrue that it's about the relationship piece and learning how to have a relationship with others. And that grew for me from a, 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 a scripture verse that then just became kind of my professional mantra. Uh, and the verse was, you know, he didn't come to be served, but to serve and to offer his life as a ransom for many. And I think about what we do in public safety, and there's no greater correlation than that. We, did, we don't come to this job for the accolades. We don't come to this job to be, you know, giving gifts and, and everything and be recognized. We come to serve. And then we offer ourselves, our lives as ransom for our public. The time that we give away from our families, the time that we give away from holidays, the time away from birthdays, missing out on, on our, our children's ball games, but at the same time also putting ourselves in danger, you know, looking out for the, for the public itself and trying our best to, to fill that gap for those in need. And man, I, you know, that's, it just doesn't get any more inspirational than that. And when you remember why you do this, remember why you started, and you look in the faces of the people you've helped and you run into them in the public and think, that child right there had a birthday this year because we did our job. Uh, that mother right there got to you know, spend Christmas morning with someone that she loved because we did our job. And that's, that's the best inspiration I have. You know, I saw your, uh, your CEO, Michael Martin, mm -hmm. um, who we've who was actually, uh, I think he's on next on the next episode. Yeah, I think so. And, and um, we recorded that a few weeks ago. I remember one of the things that 911 goes to Washington a few years back. He told this story about uh, a, a baby that was basically saved because of his technology. And he said a year from now, that's going to be the first individual that's alive today because of the technology that we developed or I'm paraphrasing but right. that was that that even choked me up in and watching him get choked up and seeing the passion behind the technology I think that's something that's really really special around your company and, and what a great draw to have you in there to reinforce that um, that that mantra throughout the company 
Yeah, and I would say, you know, and I decided to go to the dark side, as you would say, uh, <laughs> and come from from public sector, from the government side to private sector. Um, I mean, it was a, it was a hard choice, right? Because I knew that, you know, man, am I ready for this leap? Am I ready for the step uh, to get out of my comfort zone once again and and to serve others? Um, but then I looked at the core values of what Rapid SOS stands for, and the reason that we're here, and the way we do business. And we may not we may not ever be the the biggest top dog, you know, money maker in the world. We may not ever be an IBM of the '90s. But that's not our that's not our draw. That's not our commitment. That's not that's not our service level. Our service level is to the peace out. It's the people who are serving on the front lines to equip them to make sure they have the, the technology, the location, and the data they need to make informed decisions. Um, and when I realized that really aligned with my entire career, but also aligned with my personal mindset, uh, it made that transition really simple. You know, as we get older, and you know, we're all getting older. You're you're getting a lot older than me, but no. you know, I'm I'm kind of staying. I refuse. <laughs> I worry about the next generation of nine one one administrators. Um, I think we've got a duty to make sure that they're well educated, that they are well informed, and that they're not biased in their opinions and are making the right decisions for the future. What have you done personally to plant those seeds and and foster the growth of tomorrow's next generation 911 leader? That's a good question. And I I probably ask myself that more than anything, uh, Fletch, because that's always been a a goal of mine. Uh, I don't, I don't want to go into place and, and, you know, try to affect some change because it's change I wanted. Uh, When I was, on the Nina board, uh, the executive board, you know, I, I talked about one of the reasons I was there and gave them a, a very specific call. Why I'm here and what my expectations are as president is not for us to have a, you know, a, a Jameson wants to do this this year and get accomplished and move on. No, it's how do we set up this organization to ensure that we are fulfilling the, the needs and the desires of those folks who are yet to come. And we, you're right, man, we face a huge uh problem in 911 in the coming years because it's an industry nobody wants to stay in because it's tough. It doesn't pay great. Um, and so that means that our leadership uh, pool is dwindling. It, it's really evaporating. And we had to find ways to make sure that we have these people that we invest in them, that we give them the training like you talked about. But also, I think we have to teach them how to invest in themselves. Understand that, hey, you know, when I was uh, director at Weekly County here in Tennessee, um, for about three years there, I set aside an hour a week, one of my lunch breaks every week, just to study something related to 911. Didn't have to be anything cool. It could be a YouTube video. It could be somebody talking about the ENP exam. It could literally be a podcast, which I do almost religiously every morning <laughs> while I'm getting ready. It's it's one or two or three podcasts that I have to get ready for the day. But we have to understand that you know our success and our leadership potential um, is not just invested about things outside. It's things that we have to commit to internally as well. Um, and so when I'm out hiking or when I'm out, you know, speaking to people, whether it be in, in here in the States or uh, recently here in Mexico, um, that's that's an opportunity. And I'll make sure that when I go into that opportunity that I have myself prepared and ready to go. I don't ever want to walk in and give just some flamboyant speech and like, oh, everybody just clap. That was good. I want to make sure they walk away with something. They walk away with a nugget in their mind that turns into, like you said, like a seed that gets planted. And over time, with them investing in it, with them watering it, with them tending to it, it's going to grow. Um, and it's a responsibility we both share. 
Do you remember your very first 911 call? I remember my very first 911 call by myself because we worked a one-man shop and um, still I still see this person. Um, the very first 911 call I took by myself, uh, my, it was second shift and they got up and walked out and I was there by myself. Shocker, I know. Uh, and it was a Friday afternoon and school was letting out and I had three or four hang-up calls in a row uh, from, a, from the same location. Um, and then I had a third-party caller say, hey, I think there's a domestic going on here. I said, okay, I've got some calls. And I was um, dispatching resources in, uh, as well. And the fourth time that this person called back, uh, there had been a domestic. There had been a fight over the weapon. Uh, the weapon had discharged and struck the, the perp um, in the head. And there was a child actually in between. She, the mother was holding a child, and he was fighting for the weapon, and it went off. Um, and it was a friend of mine. And, and most everybody in this world knows me as Jameson. Uh, but those who went to school with me or friends of my family know me as Jamie. And I was like, now when where's your emergency? And she said, Jamie, Jamie. I was like, crap, this is somebody I know. And I don't know what's going on. And it shook me for a second. But man, after that moment, I was hooked. And I still see uh, that girl that, that was being held in her mother's arms uh, is now 22, 23, 24 years old. Um, see her in town, see her on Instagram occasionally going on with her life. And again, that's just like, wow, that was like one of the very first ones by myself. Um, and I knew the end, boy, I'm hooked on this. This is, this is good stuff. <laughs> well, you know what, that, that's the amazing thing. You know, most people would think that people become, uh, 911 telecommunicators because of the limited hours, the high pay and the low stress job. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but it, it it's the satisfaction, right? And yeah. and I I can even though I haven't taken back then it wasn't even 911 calls. It was just calls right. to a seven digit number in the early 80s, but I still remember the very first call I took and I remember very specific calls that I took and I I was in charge of three towns, and, and I had ambulances going every which way across right. all three towns, backing up, and, and, <laughs> and, you know, it was like this big Ouija board that I just made work, yep. and I remember sitting back and going, yeah, baby, that's the way you do it, <laughs> and it, I still feel that excitement today, and that's, oh my God, that, talking 40 years later, Oof. and, uh, you know... I did now, you take for, calls by, by teletype or was somebody in the parking lot? Hey. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's a great point because what's really changed in forty years? You know what I, mean, I say honestly that. what's really now, changed? When you come down to the core thing, people still ring my phone and say, Help get me resources here. And what's changed is a little bit of technology that helps me determine what some or where someone might be. <laughs> yeah. So I would say that, you know, for, for both of our careers, it's always been the call, even all the way back to my to my dad when he was going out addressing the first now one implementation. It's still a phone call and just a little bit of data. Um, and I know you talked about our CEO, Michael, talk about this a lot, but 2020 has been a crazy year, <laughs> uh, but by all, by all intents and purposes, it's been crazy. Uh, but 2021, it's going to open some doors for us. And, and I, 
I want to be careful what I talk about here, but um, that paradigm is going to shift. And you've been around long enough. You remember when we started getting cellular calls. We're not going to yes, take sir. them cellular calls. I'm not going to, I can't find them. I don't want to talk to them. I don't That's get it. their name on my screen. And then all of a sudden, you know, now we, we, we don't think anything about sailor. You know, it, it, if it doesn't come in phase two, we're shocked. Why does it come, come in phase two? And we have additional data and we have location information services now that are delivering the location of the caller before they actually ring the phone, which yeah. is just wonderful. I think, I think that the that Internet of Things are going to change that landscape once again. I just read an article, and I believe it was a woman down in Tennessee, actually. Um, she had called 911, and for some reason the call was disconnected before mm -hmm. the telecommunicator could answer it. And it came through as a 911 hang-up. And the, right. the TC actually called back twice and got no answer. And it was 12 days later when, unfortunately, the woman was, was found dead. And, and that's unfortunate. And I'm reading the article, and it's starting to take a shift to the telecommunicator didn't do their job. The agency didn't do their job. And I'm, you know, it's starting to get under my skin a little bit because it's perception and lack of understanding of the technology and what's happening. And in reality, nobody could have done anything different there that would have improved yeah. that without the entire process changing, right? Um, I agree. You know, you had That's... somebody uttering something that was caught on tape because they're recording on the trunk side, and whoever listens to that, you know, there's usually nothing to listen to. That's right. <sighs> you know. And I think that's not going to change. I think that, that we're going to be held to a higher level of responsibility uh, with fewer and fewer resources. And that's been the mantra of public safety for years, right? Higher responsibility, but we're going to give you less to work with. And so we have to be yeah. intelligent about how we deploy systems now. You know, this is where I think the, the public, you know, we're, we're so good at, at educating people in our industry. Mm -hmm. I think we all need to do a better job to educate people outside of our industry. If they Great. only had an understanding of, oh, I'm in a 20-story building on a multi-line telephone system, you have no idea where you are in the building. <laughs> or if you know that I'm at cube 2C 231, that's not really useful because you don't know where that is. If they just stop and put their feet in those shoes for one second, which right. is a big ask. Um, but that's why I think shows are important. Like, uh, what's the new one? Emergency call? Is right. it? Right. Where they're going into the centers. And they're doing a great job of telling the backstory. I think that's really, really important. What are you guys doing at Rapid SOS to, to get the public message out there? That's a great question. And so, and I so always add, come on, dude. Right. Come on. It's, it's I, don't know, I don't know who wrote these questions for you, man, but they did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would say that, that yes, the, the public piece is huge. And, and most of the public education starts locally, right? It, it really does start locally. But there's, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a distant family to, to 911 that we sometimes forget about that we rep at SOS have really been focusing on, and that's healthcare and telematics and connected devices. And it's also, you know, carriers, but also the device manufacturers and having those 
recurring calls on a regular basis about, hey, I understand you as example, as an EMS provider, want to be able to affect a quicker response to cardiovascular in- incident, get them to a, you know, to a lab somewhere so that we can do some type of interaction with that person within the first 30 minutes to an hour. How does now one fit into that? What we, can we get the call there faster? How can we get the data there faster? Can we use connected devices from the patient through 911 to the response mechanism so that you know exactly what you're rolling into? So that you, you walk into you know some cardiac event, but you already know ahead of time because of a $200 device you can buy on Amazon, you're seeing you know a difference in ST elevations. You're seeing a, t- a run of tachycardia in that patient. Understanding that whole process, uh, understanding that, yes, patient care is extremely important, and we always thought the call starts with 911, but it really starts with the patient. Does the patient have any connected devices? Does the patient have a history that we need to know about? Can the patient go on and put on emergency health profile data in their phone for free on a website and we get all that delivered immediately at time of call? Yeah, we can. And we can do it today. So how do we make sure they understand that so that when they are out evangelizing for public health, for public safety, that they're also including the fact that, hey, at your time of need, have all these things ready to go. Um, when I think about where we're going to be for the medical side of this fence and how COVID has brought to light so many areas of improvement, um, it's going to be a pretty amazing, I'm telling you, 2021 is going to be a pretty amazing year. Uh, it's just, and it's not, it's not, you know, big federal government money coming in. It's not, you know, massive changes. In, it's, it's, companies that are stepping up and saying, you know what, we have, we have the resources. We can take a, we can bear some of this burden for 911 and make sure that we have all the data that we can get from the patient, but you have it as well so that you can pass it on to the responder. I think that, um, well, I'll just say that we just finished up a course in Tennessee called telecommunicator CPR, uh, really in-depth course for our TCs, understanding, you know, agonal respirations and, out of hospital cardiac arrest and all those things. And it's amazing to watch telecommunicators say, wow, there's things that we need to educate ourselves on. Like, like if, if I'm on the phone and I'm hearing agonal respirations, we should start compressions. It flies in the face of everything we ever learned about not breathing, right? But agonal respirations, we, with the understanding from the medical side of this fence, they say, hey, you know, but agonal respirations, they're not, they're not effective. We have to do something for that caller before because they're, they're, they're leading down that path and they're going into cardiac arrest. So those things are two-way streets. They really are. It's what we can share with them about what we need for time of call and what they can share from the patient, but also understanding their workflows and processes so we can cross-train and understand that, hey, we could probably be better, not just in data, but just in operations. The way we answer calls, the way we uh, query callers, how do we make sure that we're working with additional data sources throughout the call and um, I'll just stop by saying I look forward to the day to when quality assurance programs and quality assurance reviews have a question, did you check additional data resources? Because if we're not checking them, then we're not really doing quality because there's additional data cards there for medical issues, for connected devices, you know, for heart rate monitors, et cetera. Um, we're doing some great things in the San Francisco area that were released later that are just mind bending about how much data we can get from that patient to push to our responders for a more effective uh, response. You know, it always shocked me how much some components of the industry um, almost appear to be fighting against 
the additional yeah. data. And, um, you know, I, one of the things that uh, is really kind of disappointing is that the indoor location, wireless location standard, again, is getting kicked down the, you know, kicking the can down the road even further. Right. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to get on too much of a soapbox, but I mean, how many times do we have to prove that this problem is solvable today? And, and we- As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Just put a little implementation right. around existing technology. This is not the boogeyman. It's not, and uh, you 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 know very well uh, <laughs> about standards development and how long that takes. And then you couple that with you know how long it takes to to change a regulation or a law related to nine one one. Yeah, and you know when this. Rapid SOS first came on the scene. It was like, well, we're not going to do over-the-top applications. We're not going to do that. We're not. We're not going to allow that. And then they started understanding. Man, we are absolutely hanging ourselves. Uh, this is this is the dumbest thing we could have ever said because what we're doing is saying you can't have actionable data that's in a timely manner that's geo-referenced just because we've never done it that way before. Yeah, and that has changed drastically. And that started with device-based hybrid that started with additional data location information from the, from the caller. But now when you start moving into additional data, uh, you know, my heart bleeds Nina red, right? You know that. And the standards work we do is absolutely amazing, but, but technology and, and Moore's law is just accelerating beyond the point of us being able to keep up with the standard. And so we've adjusted quite a bit for best practices, for informational documents, those things that we can get out really quickly on new technologies to assist that. And I think that's where Nina will continue to go, right? We can still work on the standards-based stuff or those core pieces that we need everybody to interop with so that we have to build those to a certain standard. Um, but other things, the operationalization of those things, how do we actually work those pieces, the new technology coming in? Nina continues to lead that forefront. And that's where people like, you know, that work with us at Rapid SOS, we want them involved in that standards-based organization because we want them understanding where the industry is going so that if we're at least right now, if we're not simpatico, we're not on the same path, we're at least on the same road in a different lane. 
sooner or later we're going to merge. And when we merge, everything is already going to be in play. And again, the end goal is a better response for that person in need. You know, about 12 years ago, a uh, or, or maybe even a little longer, a very, very intelligent person, whom you know as well, um, said to me, you know, Fletch, next generation 911 isn't just about the technology. Mm-hmm. The primary core initiative here needs to be the opera, opera is, the opera, <laughs> get it. <laughs> Wow. Operationalizing of yep. the standards and the protocols. Exactly. That, yeah, that's what I need is more coffee. Um, and that person, believe it or not, is someone you ended up marrying. Yeah, I did. And, uh, you know. Married up. <laughs> <laughs> tell me about it. Uh, does this make us relatives? Because we used to consider each other uh, each other's nine one one spouses because we would so. argue I, so much. People <laughs> go, "Are you two married?" Exactly, exactly, and uh, that's that's kind of been the running joke in the house too, right? It's like, "Hey, I'm gonna have Fletch on the on the TV today." She's like, oh. "I must said hi." <laughs> <laughs> My nine one one husband. <laughs> right, and, uh, and I joke around. You know, we, we're we're kidding here, but. Um, but my wife has been such an, an, a leader on the private sector side for so many years, such a, oh, such a deep current uh, on changing the way we think about GIS and core services architecture and things like that. And it's just, I mean, you, you Google her name and she's on standards documents all over the place and Google my name. I'm like, I'm in the paper for, you know, some call we took. Um, and, and I joke around, I say, you know, I, I didn't realize when, when we started dating and we got married really how difficult it was going to be for me to be such a trophy husband uh, to somebody who's so amazing. <laughs> I, I first met her when she worked for Plant CML, and she was right. a product manager. And, uh, you know, I was working at Nortel at the time, and, you know, that at that time, Plant was a bolt-on on top of right. the Nortel PBX. And she used to scream at me, and I used to <laughs> scream at her, and... It was just, but at the end of the day, we were always friends. And uh, right, I, right. I remember when when I remember when she told me that uh, she was dating you, and I was I was so proud of her. And uh, well, you got a good one. Cause yeah, we kept that we kept that pretty quiet for a while. We really did. We were like we don't let work uh, cross those boundaries. Yeah, uh, and it's, it's and working at home has been fun. <laughs> I, can, I can imagine so it's like you know there, there are times where you put the note on the door and says hey I'm, I'm talking about things you need to know about don't come in here okay cool <laughs> uh, so yeah well if there were ever two people that could pull that off I think it's you and, and Lisa that could pull that <laughs> off the best and, and absolutely maintain that level of, of sanctity that needs to be maintained there yeah, I'll tell you it's, it's, uh, it's one of the core things that we had to discuss when we started dating it's like hey we're going to draw some hard lines between work and home. Because if we don't, I mean, it's just, it's going to lead to some things that we don't need to be involved in, right? And we never want exactly. to get the appearance that we're doing anything other than being exceptionally professional in everything that we do in our work and exceptionally loving everything we do in our home. Yep. And, and, and you've achieved that. I think you and her both have the highest level of respect. And today, I think a lot of people still would never even associate the two of no. you together had they not seen you together somewhere in a social function outside of right. the industry. Right. Um, 
you know, which I, and congrats on that. Um, you know, that's, that's an amazing feat that you've pulled off. So Thanks, what's your vision for the future? I mean, what, if you could have one thing tomorrow that just was solved and went away, what would that one thing be? Man, that's a good one. That, but right? Uh, right? <laughs> I think I know what it is. I know okay. exactly what it is. I want to remove the fear, uncertainty, and doubt in our telecommunicators' minds about new technologies. And I'll explain really briefly here more. Um, we as TCs, since the dawn of time, and you were there, uh, since the dawn of time, we have been taking in additional data with every call, but it's always been analog. It's always been auditory. Auditory, mm-hmm. yep. Right? We hear things going on in the background. We hear dishes being broken. We hear uh, a gunshot. We hear, you know, a fight. We hear sirens approaching a scene and knowing the response is close. We hear the stress in our caller's voice. We hear a child who's, you know, found someone who's deceased and doesn't understand what's going on. We've always heard that. And we process that in our brains in just nanoseconds. And then we're putting all that information into a call for service. We're stripping it down, removing all the emotion, all the extra things, putting it into call for service, shipping it to a dispatcher, right? So all the additional data has been coming in. We've been processing it. Now, sooner or later, the metrics will flop. And we'll, I, I really honestly believe that in the next, I don't know, four to five years probably, uh, we'll see more calls initiated from non-human interfaces than we do actual non-one calls. Right, we'll just know. We'll know that, oh my gosh, there's accidental interstate. We see this. That concerns us as TCs, and it should, right? Because again, operators, what you said. Yeah, how do we operationalize that? There you go. Uh, How do we operationalize that to make sure that we're affecting an appropriate response? But what we're doing with ADR today and what we're going to be doing with ADR tomorrow um, is taking all that data you've been hearing and so much more contextual information about that location or about that incident and shipping it to you automatically into your screen. And you're still hearing what's going on here, but you're just validating what you see on the screen as far as the data flow goes. Absolutely. And so instead of somebody calling us and saying, hey, you have a, a fire alarm at this location, zone 37 Bravo, uh, we'll contact the key holder, click. Uh, okay, uh, that's an entire company we're sending out. However, if it's an industrial complex and we're getting the information dumped into CAD for us with additional data re- uh, resources, not 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 just things like the old school ASAP to PSAP, but the newer technologies that we're doing now, where it's not just the, hey, it's a, it's a fire alarm going off or a smoke alarm going off. And by the way, the thermostat in the adjoining room is at 145 degrees. Okay, we have an active fire. That's two companies now because maybe it's an industrial complex. The responder knows this. They're seeing the same information coming in from the alarm data, but they're overlaying their pre-planned information. They're overlaying the hazmats for that location automatically in their response vehicle. And so it's not just we have a 2 million square foot industry complex with hazmat somewhere inside. We know where the alarm's at. We know where the fire is at. We know the temperature of the fire before we ever turn a tire. And we also know the location of the hazmat information inside that, inside that, uh, that warehouse, whatever it may be. And so when we start responding, we know that, hey, maybe this is a protection of the hazmat side, but it's also a response to put the fire out in internal attack. Those things change, but those things take relationships uh, at the national and at the local level. But it also takes a mindset that says, you know what? This is coming. 
And there are things we have to figure out, but I'm not going to have a fear of it. It's the same thing we've always been doing. The calls are not changing. The data stream is, of course, is becoming broader. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's what we do. And we adapt and we overcome. And when we get past the fear piece of that, when we get past the fear piece, we start looking at what we can do to actually affect a more appropriate response. It's going to change emergency response paradigm in this country and just probably 18, 24 months. And that's huge because it's not like, it's not the old days, Mark, where you walked up and you put in a new phone system at one location and then they got some new data, right? These companies are rolling out as they do it nationwide. This week, this company is going to turn it on. Next week, this company is going to turn it on. The following week, this company is going to turn it on. And it happens at a nationwide level. And so those folks are, particularly those folks who are in integrated rapid portal with us, or they're using jurisdiction view, every time some company comes on and turns that on, it's there. Yep. It's there. And it, and it blows my mind. It's not a, we're going to do this 6,000 times across the U.S. It's one company's coming to the platform. They're integrated with APIs. The data's there. Man, what a, what a great time to be in 911. What just a fascinating time to be in public safety. Absolutely. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play you something. Uh, I'm going to try to, at least. Uh, I dug this up while, while you were talking about that. Back in, this was probably back close to 2010, I'm going to say, there was a large refinery, uh, I think it was a Chevron refinery out on the <laughs> West Coast, where there was a fire. And clearly, they security there had a ring down to the local PSAP. Right. Because, just because of the way the dispatcher answers. She picks up the line, hey, Chevron. And I'm going to play you the call here. And here's where it's a perfect example of, even though it's a human communicating, how the wrong information can get misinterpreted. So right. take a listen to this. Okay. Hello, we have a fire in a process unit for crude. I don't know what that means, but okay. We got a process unit coming to gate 31. It'll be a first first level response for you guys. Okay, what does that mean? How many do you need? Perfect example of somebody communicating irrelevant information or non-actionable information. Right. And the dispatcher having no idea what to do. Right. And it's, you know, it, we're going to affect some response to this, right? But again, if, if we had a way where data was <laughs> conformant <laughs> and data was presented in a way that's actionable data, timely manner, geo-referenced, situations like this really become few and far between. Exactly. Um, and I, and I, I think this went on to be a pretty intense call, didn't it? Yeah, that was, it was a pretty bad refinery fire from what I, from what I remember. Um, but again, you know, it, uh, it's a level whatever response. I mean, again, somebody using cryptic terms right. audibly to a dispatcher who has no idea what they're talking about. Yeah. But again, that call coupled with sensor data yes. and IoT devices, they wouldn't have even needed the voice call. And when that ring down hit, they would probably answer, we've got seven units on the way. Exactly. Just confirm what gate you want yes. them at. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Where's your ingress point? Uh, that's that's fantastic. And 
And I know people think, man, this is this will never happen where I'm at. Listen, I'm I'm living in a relatively rural area of the United States, right? And I love it here. Um, but the data that's available at New York PD is going to be available in Weekly County, Tennessee, at the exact same moment. Yep. And if we have our heads in the sand and we think this is never going to happen, uh, that, that that changes things so quickly when the the public expects pizza delivery. That when I when I log into my app for Domino's, they know what my usual order is. Do I just want to repeat that order? They know where I live. They know who I am. And at nine one one, we we can't. And we think that's a far off concept, and it's really not. It's really not. We're really closing that gap very quickly. I just right. like to get Spec that app operations. to stop using my credit card. That's all. <laughs> when you order, well, I appreciate all those pizzas you send me. They're they're fantastic. <laughs> I got them oh, on auto ship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, listen, man. You know, I could go on for two hours with you, and uh, you know, this is just amazing, amazing information. And I hope that people can see what someone can do with their career as they move through public safety, as they move through government agencies, and still move into the public sector, because now you've got a new mission, and that's to foster and harvest right. all the seeds that you have grown over the, the two or three decades that are out there. It's time to bring the crops in, is all I can say, James. That's a good point, right? And, I, and I'm yeah. glad you're here to do that. Well, I appreciate that, Mark. And it's, you know, you've been a part of that process all along. We, we served together on, on many different NINA functions, including the Institute Board. Um, and I just tell you, it's, it's, man, you say two to three decades, that, that's kind of scary, right? I'm like, <laughs> am I that old? Um, and I think yeah. back to those moments, you know, when you realize that, man, just a little bit more contextual information here, a little bit of additional data there, you know, maybe, maybe our officer doesn't get involved in, a, in an officer-involved shooting. You know, may, maybe we affect a better response because we know that this accident with rollover had airbag deployment and there were three people inside instead of one that we only see in the vehicle and two were injected. We don't know that to get on the scene knowing that ahead of time. Man, how can we not be excited but also be equally committed to pushing forward those boundaries to make sure that we understand, hey, these things are happening today. They are happening today. And next week, we could be affecting calls based upon new technology we received last week. And that's just, for me, man, that's just, it, just, it just feeds my passion all day long. You know, for if anybody wanted the, uh, the thrill of being a lifesaver as their, their energy for being a telecommunicator, Next Generation yep. 911 should accelerate that feeling to so many more people um, that, that they will actually save. And there's no other feeling in the world going home knowing that something that you did allowed someone to live today. And this is something yeah. that typically a firefighter, a paramedic, a first responder in the field gets as part of their daily job. Telecommunicators never got that feeling before because right. they never knew about the incident and they never had the ability to contribute. Now yeah, they know between. about it, yeah. they can contribute, they can affect it, and they know the outcome so there's closure which is more yep. important than probably almost anything for personal well-being, which is also something that we have to take care of. You know, you talk about next gen now one and people ask, you know, when are we going to see this revolution? We're not. It's an evolution. 
Yeah. And we're consistently seeing that growth day after day after day. And you're right. It, it is, it is things like technology, it's data, it's connections, it's, it's, you know, using new uh, ways of connecting to the network, it's core services architecture, it's GIS. But at the end of the day, it still centers around the linchpin, which is a telecommunicator. They are the central nervous system of every response in this country. They, they, they read inputs from some type of nerve that's been touched. They affect muscles and skeleton to affect some kind of response to mitigate that nerve. And so, you know, all these things are great. But at the end of the day, we've got to make sure we bring our telecommunicators along with us. Absolutely. You know, people ask me all the time, Jameson, how do you, why are you so passionate about this industry? And I look back at them and I say, how can you not yes. be passionate <laughs> about this industry? Right. My God, I, I can't imagine how a brain surgeon or a heart surgeon must feel right. every single day of their lives, right? right. Knowing that they're f- impacting positively people's lives. We get to feel that every once in a while when we, when we do a good job. But right. uh, how can you not be excited about being on the forefront of an evolution that will change mankind? And I know that sounds yep. way up here, but... It's not. It's, 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 it's the not. truth. It's it is not. the truth. Yeah. I, how, yeah. You are changing mankind in the moment of their greatest <laughs> need, and they rely upon you, a stranger, to affect a perfect response. And, and to be honest, for 99.79s of that, we're killing it, dude. We are absolutely yep. blowing it out of the water. So how can we even get better? How can we go that extra ninth you know, piece of that? And I think that starts with location and data. And we're going to supply people with that. Yeah, the cool part is, is is we can do something about it, and we are yep. doing it. So, again, Jameson, if uh, if I don't stop here, we're gonna we're gonna be here tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> it's the longest podcast ever. <laughs> but uh, I really appreciate you sitting down with me, my friend. Yeah, it's it's been far far too long. We need to do this much more often. Thank Not you agreed. for everything you've done in your career. Thank you for your compassion, for your uh, your your passion for this industry and and passion for doing it right and passion for just getting that information out there in everything that you do and uh, take care of my ex-wife damn it <laughs> <laughs> too far mark too far <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry tell her oh, i said brother, hi I, I, you know, I know brother. she's a big part of what you do she's an <laughs> she, inspiration yeah, she is so, she's great behind every good man is a better woman right absolutely right 100 percent. yeah she's my better two-thirds <laughs> <laughs> there you go so all right well listen my friend thanks so very very much final thoughts for uh the telecommunicator of tomorrow what's the number one thing they need to keep on their mind take care of yourself uh take care of yourself take care of your teammates uh none of this works without you and and if we're for burning out too much we're not taking care of our stress levels we're not taking care of our body and our minds uh, if we're not incorporating those things into our mindset our skill set and our culture and our comm center uh, we're going to fail and so it starts and ends with a telecommunicator so take care of yourself and if you're listening to this and you're not a tc ship them some cookies buy them pizza send them a thank you note do something every once in a while to that comm center that you have locally to ensure that they understand we know you're there and we appreciate everything that you do yeah, one of the coolest things I uh, I ever heard was in the uh, the school shooting up in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody reached out, called the local pizza place, and said, "Here's my credit card number. Um, I don't care what they need or what they want. 
call them, find out, deliver it, and put it on my yeah. card. Yeah. And uh, and that person went anonymous for quite some time because they yeah. weren't looking for the recognition. That's they right. were looking to go help someone in the industry that was dealing yeah. with a massive school shooting, and they know the impact that it was going to cause. I, you know, I was so proud of that person for thinking beyond themselves, thinking beyond the incident, and thinking yeah. about the people that are impacted. Yeah. Um, there are good people out there. There are a lot of them, and a lot of them are in public safety. Yes, sir. So, all right, my friend, listen, you have a great day. Uh, you, thanks sir. so much for sitting down with us. We'll do this again real soon. Sounds good, sir. See you soon. So that wraps up yet another episode of Next Gen 911 Future Makers. This is Fletch. I'm Vice President of Public Safety at 911 Inform. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Fletch911. Check out the rest of my blogs and podcasts at www.fletch.tv. And you can catch all of our Future Maker podcasts at www.ng911futuremakers.com. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Stay safe and have a great day. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.